I uh, am the creator, the initiate, initial creator for Glorantha. This is the Glorantha seminar. Thank you, Tim. And um, this is a, as much to answer your questions about Glorantha as for me to explain stuff, but I'm going to explain stuff first. Um, we're going to be publishing um, a lot of Glorantha material through uh, for RuneQuest 3 through Avalon Hill. We're going to do it differently than we have done it before. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, the chance to republish this information through Avalon Hill is, is a real creative uh, godsend because we started publishing Glorantha material in RuneQuest 2, and by the circumstances of where our information was at the time and of what we needed to publish for the game, um, we published it starting with a microcosm and expanding outwards. We started publishing material about Glorantha uh, in one of the most desolate places in the world uh, because it's the simplest to portray, the simplest to, 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 to explain to people uh, without a lot of complications. And it, it really wasn't right because it gives a real warped view of the world. Uh, essentially, the, what you know about Florent from the published supplements is only true for a very small corner of the world. There's a whole world out there that's different in many places, radically different uh, as far as social structure, as far as the people who live there, as far as the magic that they have, the ecology is very different. Through Avalon Hill, what we're going to do is, with the procedure that we're going to follow in it, is we're going to start with the overview. and start to, Instead of starting with this little city in the edge of nowhere, we're going to start with an overview of the entire world. The first supplement that we've published is called Gods of Glorantha. And in it, there are about 50 cult uh, brief descriptions. Not like the cult descriptions that you're familiar with, which go into a lot of detail and tell you that you can't wear red on Tuesday and you have to <laughs> eat bird's eggs, uh, you know, five times a week. That stuff's not going to be in there right now. Those are, those are very, very specific local differences. You may belong to an Orlando culture over here that requires you to eat bird's eggs once a week. But over there, they may not require that, right? This is the nature of various, you know, local variations. So what we're doing now, the first one is Gods of Glorantha. It'll have, as I said, 50 deities. Um, and we're trying to give a, several points of view about this. Uh, the, the, the book will be in essentially three parts. The first part is what the priests say. It'll be a two-page handout so that if some player comes to your campaign and says, well, I, I worship the storm god. What do I know? You know and you give them this piece of paper. Uh, in RuneQuest 3 in the magic systems, you recollect that there's a series of questions that are answered for each by each magic user. Those questions are asked in this of the different priests. So the Orland priests, uh, you know, has a different answer as to who made you than the lunar priest or the earth priestess or the Dharadi Shaman or the Waha guy. You know, where do we go when we're dead? Right? It's a different place for the different cultures. What do we think of the sun? Right? And they paddle on each other to tell what, uh, what's good, what's bad. And it's all very, very objective, uh, subjective point of view. Uh, they tell you lies. They tell you half-truths. They tell you what you want. they want you to hear. This is basically the priest talking to a, 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 or a layman. Or a layman right? Yes, yes. And... Uh, if all the gods were found in one place, you could almost imagine it going around the square from, you know, and asking, 
Tell me the truth. Your face is, uh, is in dark and you're backlit, so it's quite a nice movie effect, but I don't know, we don't know if you're talking to somebody else's. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the second part, and what we did, we since there's a limited amount of time, we couldn't really cover all the major pantheons and that, so we tried to include the ones that were important. We skipped the merman philosophy, for instance, and um, since most of the human beings live in the northern continent of Genertella, most of them come from Genertellan uh, points of view. Uh, the second part of the book is the, is the largest part, and it's the 50 cults with their requirements to be a, a, an initiate, to be a priest, an acolyte, a rune lord, if there is, if those statuses exist for that cult, and not every cult has every status. Some cults, which formerly had priests, no longer do. The Humat has no priests, per se. The priestly function is fulfilled by the swords of Humat, who are more like the rune lords used to be. They're still responsible for leading the services and so on. But it's different from an earth priestess who has regular seasonal rituals that have to be followed and so on. The, fun the social function of the individuals is different, so the cult is different. Some have no acolytes, some have no priests, most have no rune lords. Um, <coughs> And it goes through, like I said, for the 50 important gods. Of the, of the 50, about one-third are useful and, uh, as common player character types. Another third are useful as uncommon player character types. And then the, and the final third are really only useful as, as game master background. Uh, the cult of uh, Voria, the goddess of spring, and little girls. is <laughs> not a very interesting player cult. Uh, they only have two rune spells. One is make flower, <laughs> and the other one is speak, speak to small, cute animals. <laughs> and it's, it's interesting, you know, for people who have, yeah, but otherwise, there's not much in it for player characters, right? Um, and then the third part is called a prosopadia. It's an old Latin word, means who's who. And it's a list of 150 to 200 deities with one paragraph explanation of who they are. And it's, and it's different from the other ones. It's, it's a little bit more objective than, it's certainly more objective than what the priest says. I mean, in the, when you talk to the troll priestess and she says, oh yes, and Zarak Zoran is our brave defender, the killer of chaos, you know. And you read the Zarak Zoran right up and you say, yeah, this guy's a hell of a war god, that's pretty good. You get to the Prosopadians and this is the god of hate and vengeance, <laughs> all right? And so it's all three of these combined to give a more complete picture. It's unlikely that a, a, a common worshiper will know all of the information in the books. He may know from all three sources. This is, this is stuff that will be developed in the campaign. Um, and it'll also tell where the gods are worshipped. Uh, as, as you recollect, uh, David asked me this morning, what happens if you're an Orland uh, worshiper and you go to uh, Hamiltella? Because when you leave the coast, there's no more temples to Orland. You can't get your green spells back. All right? and, and so it shows the range uh, and distribution of the, of the cults. Uh, and it also emphasizes the pantheon aspect of these things. I mean, you, know, you talk to the storm priest, and that's Orland, but he'll tell you about the other gods that are associated with Orland. 
and, uh, and there's an emphasis on understanding the, integra the, the integration of the pantheons with their culture. No, that's not in here, but it, the pantheon outlook is in there. Is that so? Mm -hmm. Okay. And um, that's the first book that we're going to publish. The second on Glorantha. The second one will be The World of Glorantha, which is a description of the physical and social realms. Uh, there's a two-page spread on the weather. Where does it snow, right? Uh, where, you know, where are the typhoons? Uh, this kind of stuff. There's uh, explanations of the ecology. What kind of animals live in Glorantha? You know, where, where, where do the, where do the dinosaurs live? Right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually, there's more in Hornelio. But um, uh, the ecology, the weather, uh, the sociology. Uh, where do the nomads live? How Diseases? Huh? Diseases? Just glossed over. It's a good one. Remind me of it. I lost my notebook. Um, and the sociologies. What are the people in Pamukkala like? What's their social structure? What do they look like? You know, they, they, they're black. They're Africans, right? So what do the people in the Far East look like? Want to guess, anybody? <laughs> um, um, you know, you know, uh, basic economic structure, like what's basic food, food trade that's available. Yes, I want to give as much of that information as, as, you, as is necessary for the game master to have, a, have an idea to go there. What's illegal in various places? Uh, if, uh, you know, again, what, what is forbidden, or? yeah. Yeah, illegal is a slightly well, different term than forbidden. But yes, you know, these people hate sorcerers. That For example, they'd hang you if you stole a horse in Texas, but they wouldn't hang you if you stole a horse in South Africa. But they wouldn't hang you if you stole diamonds, but they wouldn't in Texas. Well, they cared more about horses in Texas and diamonds in South Africa. Yeah, I want to give enough information so the game master will feel comfortable in playing uh, that if your character sailed to, to Craylorella and then your character goes from, from my campaign to your campaign that, that they'll have more or less the same experience in Craylorella. Because I sat down and tried to figure out who was going to trade who for what with where and that. I, I just finally started guessing. I said, well, this looks like it would be pretty good over here. Yeah, that's right. Uh, social structure, who runs it, uh, religions is covered in the first book, of course. And it will also go into a geographic explanation of place by place, places of interest in Prax and the way Slept here. Huh? Yeah, right, right. Orland slept here. <laughs> that kind of stuff. Um, so, and, and, the, and the major cities, who rules there, uh, so that you know where the million, the three cities of a million people are. And you know that there's no cities in this area to buy them. You know, there's no place that makes armor in this place. There's, you might find this, an, an ironsmith somewhere or a bronzesmith rather. But it's going to in, take the information that's given in RuneQuest as far as the sociology and trade and pretty large cities and so on are and, and show where that stuff works in the uh, That's the, the, the bulk of the World of Glorantha book. After that, we're going to start taking it area by area, really cultural area by cultural area. And we'll come out with an overview of that with more details. The first one will be Pratchpat. Because we've published the most information on that, it's going to be easiest for us. People need it because their characters are already doing it. And this will give details. Pratchpat, for instance, will have the extended write-ups for Waha and Iretha and Stormbull that we're familiar with from Cults of Prax. And they'll be there. Waha's not really worshipped anywhere else except there. And so that's where the details need to be. 
It'll give the details of culture and religion. It'll give uh, co uh, common stats for, you know, here's, here's a typical bison warrior band, and here's a, a typical uh, whatever, all right, ostrich riders. And then we'll have scenarios set in that geographic area. You know, you get to wander around deserts, I mean, the wastelands and stuff. Yeah. Kind of Everybody's done it a thousand times. But still right. Yeah, but wait do you find out about the copper sands and, mm -hmm. and so on. Uh, right. Jeff's character is uh, test playing in this. And you can just watch him when he shakes his head. You'll know where your characters don't want to go. The Eternal Battle. The Eternal Battle, yes. yes. The, um, you guys saw the Eternal Battle, didn't you? I don't think so. You didn't? Okay, um, then there'll be scenarios set in that. All right. Now this is sort of an overview of practice in the wastelands, so, uh, a geographic chunk. Within that, afterwards, we'll be publishing subsets. Every th almost everything we've published to date is a subset of practice pack. That is to say, borderlands, pavis, big rubble. Those things all happen in that area. They're all dependent on the external culture. I don't want to put anything about the cult of Waha in there. I'm, you know, it's just it's difficult for a game master, perhaps, but you're going to have to refer to that other book for the details. Maybe even for common stats of bison warriors, they won't be in the big rubble. You know, it's a big rubble. You know, it, and you just pull them out. So, Prax Pack is one of these overviews. Skip your way to buy all the other supplements. That's true, you know, but it's inevitable. Uh, you know, we can keep coming out with $50 supplements if we want to get it all in one place, but I don't personally think that's a good idea. You have a nice price for guys that go out there. I don't know what the price is. What have we told you? We're shooting for 10 It'll probably come out to be more. I'm trying to bring some of the prices of this RuneQuest stuff down, and uh, and the choice is almost 8-point, you know, teeny type or, uh, or a big price. And we're experimenting on Gord's Glorantha with the teeny type and the small price. Um, we hope. Uh, what's, his, what, what's the format of these? Just the books or box sets? Or? They'll all be box sets. Everything we publish for RuneQuest will be boxed. Uh, and for instance, the Gods of Glorantha has the three books. In, uh, it'll either three two or three books. books or either two or three. And a map. Maybe a, no, no, we dropped the map because it was too expensive. The maps are internal. The maps are internal. Um, and I promise all the maps will have the same scale. Oh, do you wish? So much fun converting. Yeah, right. Yeah. See, how can we travel? <laughs> okay, other ones uh, on the on the same uh, sort of plateau with Prax Pack. One will be tentatively titled Barbarian Pack. Explains the Orlanth culture, which fills up much of the interior of Pinnacle. The Western culture, the Lunar culture, the Dorati culture, which is the dominant culture in Pamatella. The um, uh, what's Holy that? Country. The Holy Country. The Holy Country is in uh, is subsumed under uh, the Barbarian culture. It's mostly Orlanthi, right? But there are there are cities there. There's a city of a million people in the Holy Country, and so there's a lot of foreigners there. You know, in that city, you may be able to go around the Temple Square and talk to everybody in God's Clarenta, all right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, barbarians, Lunars, the Far West, the Western culture, um, the Eastern culture, the Thousand Islands, or what's it called, uh, the Eastern Isles. The Eastern Isles is a very peculiar place. Every island has its own God. If you're born on the island, you, can be, you become a member, right? And they're very content with that. And some of the gods are just plumb useless. Right? I mean, there's the famous god, uh, Coleman Bray, 
where their whole the gods has told everybody when they're born, you're you know it's important that your hair look nice, <laughs> all right? And uh, some of them are just ridiculous. It's you know, silly stuff, sort of like uh, almost uh, Lord Dunsany type of gods, you know. Good. Yeah, I think it's needed too. So that's where we got your questions from, huh? That's right. That's right. What about non-humans? Non-humans is, 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 is the note is right up there, see? Uh, with Prax Pack and Barbarian Pack. Troll Pack is, in fact, exactly at that level, right? And we, we are working on Elf Pack and Dwarf Pack and the Dragon League. Duck Pack. Duck Pack. Sorry. Chaos Pack will probably be intimately associated with Theraster. Yeah. Right. Theraster is where you don't want to go. Oh, uh, sure. It's not, it's not that bad. Still need a couple of that bad. Just some of the for and call it a pack protester. Go there about enough. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right. Okay, so that's the overview, and then we'll come out with troll scenarios, and we'll come out with barbarian scenarios, and we'll see, et cetera, et cetera. Um, one of the things that's going on as we publish scenarios, uh, and, it's, and it's largely as a result of our test playing and so on, is that you may probably have noticed that there's a slow, gradual progression of chloranthin history in the supplements that comes up. You know, you get a new one and you can add two years onto your timeline. That's going to continue, uh, essentially because it moves, it, it instills a campaign flavor, and it moves it around, moves it forward, and it moves it into the hero wars. And uh, I'm not sure if it's a real good idea or a real bad idea, you know, because if you buy the second scenario pack after you buy the, the 17th one, it'll look like you go back in time if the Game Master does that. The Game Master will have some responsibility for updating it or ignoring it. I mean, it, you know, the, try to make it as easy as possible for the Game Master, but there's the minute. Um, and so that'll continue. Right? Uh, you get, you, over, over the years, you will learn more and more of the secrets of Glorantha. I mean, you're only going to learn who the parents of the Red Goddesses wants. Right. And it's a very critical fact. It's imperative that that fact be discovered by Prince Argrath if he, in fact, is going to destroy the Lunar Empire, which may or may not occur. I ain't. Done. <laughs> so you're finally opening up that file cabinet. Uh, yeah, right. That's right. Uh, what he's referring to is all my accumulated notes and maps and history and all the stuff that I have in this big filing cabinet in, in my office. Lankermaya. Hmm? That's my Lankermaya <laughs> file for sure. Uh, yeah, combine read it. You know, just, <laughs> um, most of it's out of date, but that's why we updated the publisher. Um, There'll be changes between the old editions and the new. It's inevitable. We've played this game for seven years. Uh, we've learned a lot, and we've, we've taken the opportunity to change some of the things that we found inherently distasteful, like having rune lords in every cult. All right, and it just didn't work out right. So we're, we're changing that now, and and that and I apologize for the difficulties in your campaign, and I give every game master permission to change it. All right, you don't like RuneQuest two, three cults? Use a RuneQuest two one time. I don't care. It's your <laughs> campaign. It's important that you care and that you have the freedom and the 
and, and, and the responsibility to do it. I'm waiting on that book of the Colts before I make a decision. Okay. <laughs> I've got everybody hanging in limbo over here that plays with me. Radish wants to see it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty Good. sure I will. You know, it's just like D&D. You know, I just, you know, then I got, you know, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Sure. Revised panties. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's, it's a better system. Um, I can sit here and talk about stuff a lot if you want. You know, I've been working on Glorantha since 1966. I have over a million words piled up in my file cabinet, and I know a little bit about the place. Uh, but just rather than talking randomly, I'd just as soon answer questions. If you guys run out of questions, then I'll just yak until, until everybody leaves the room or my, um, until my next seminar starts. But anybody got a question? I mean, anything. Well, are you having to written up on the blue moon goddess? Or the blue moon goddess is in this book. Oh, good. Is she? I don't think so. The cult is not? I didn't think so she was. I didn't no, she's not. All right, she's not mentioned in this book. Yeah, it's a paragraph. Oh, she's, she's in the prosopedia. Oh, okay. And the reason for that is, look, she's just not an important deity. I mean, we've got 50 of the big ones here. Well, about uh, a third, 50 minus a third. About, uh, you know, minus 50. Of important deities. And the, uh, and the, uh, resources is what I mean. Teamwork. So thank you. <laughs> the, um, the red, the blue moon goddess is not a cosmically important deity anymore. She used to be much more important. She has some cosmic influences, but she's really only worshipped uh, in in Peloria. She's in more pantheons. She's in more pantheons. Oh, yes, she's in the she's in the Gujarati <coughs> pantheon, but as a husband, right? Is that what you're referring to? She's in the water pantheon. She's in the water pantheon too, because she's responsible for the tides. Right. Yeah. But even there, they don't worship her. I mean, she's just part she's of the system. Yeah. So, yeah. You're going to take the opportunity to uh, add cataclysmic natural events now that you're increasing the size, have earthquakes and crop failures and famines and plagues and all sorts of fun stuff? Um, but mostly that will be coming out through the, uh, through the scenarios. I mean, even in the history. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't remember hearing anything about anybody talking about the Great Plague of X. Um, I got yeah, there are. Yeah, actually, there, and, there, and there are great natural disasters. And they almost always occur at the end of a world age. This is the end of the third world age in which we play at this time. And there will be cataclysmic disasters. So I've been having a lot of fun with Hopefully caused by players. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe how much trouble you can have by having the crops cut by 40%. Those natural yeah. disasters that he's talking about, those mostly fall under deity controls explained by the priests or actual... Uh, or actual natural forces that add up to that. Yes. It's, kind of the it's almost the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. <laughs> Which priest do you add? Yeah. yeah. And, and that's the other thing. Yes. So if they had worshipped the invisible God, then that wouldn't have happened. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Um, another question. Are you uh, ever going to release any scenarios for attacks on the previous ages of Glorantham, like the Justinians or the Australians or the yeah. um, You mean scenarios that occur there? Yeah. The closest that we will come to it, as planned now, is through Hero Quest, in which you, in effect, go back in time, participate in these great events. If you've read all the Glorantham material, every so often you'll come across uh, something like. Uh, like the the the, uh, 
the epic siege of the machine city in the holy country where uh, the city is assaulted by magical warriors drawn from, from mysterious places. Those are your characters going back in time. Right? <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what it is, you know, the winged men wearing blue clothes that drop out of the sky. Right? That's Hero questing allows you to go back in time, and, and, and you go back in time to where something really important happened. Why, you know, why go back for dinner? <laughs> right? so you go back, and, and that's about as close as we'll come. The whole Tristelli thing is an important part of the Glorantham history, and, and finding out what it is really was is sort of a part of the long-term exploration of uh, that will come out over the, over the campaign. Uh, just for information, you know, the Tristelli were people who uh, broke the rules. Uh, it says you can't be a priest and a sorcerer and a shaman. They had priest, sorcerer, shamans, right? Uh, but those breaking the rules is why there's no more Tristelli. It's why their name is an anathema. Is that anathema? Yeah. Anathema. Thank you. And. Uh, <laughs> and in my campaign, if somebody really wants to be a, a priest, lord shaman, uh, I'll let them try to become one, but everybody in the world says, Tristelli, stuff! You know, help me against this evil warrior. We know what happened. Uh, at the end of the war, at the end of the Tristelli period, uh, essentially what happened was when they took over the world and uh, uh, started levering important spirits and deities off of their cosmic uh, niche, uh, the system couldn't hold it. And uh, the gods and their worshippers started working on spells that take a hundred years to complete, and, and, and a million magic points. All right, but when that thing goes off, <laughs> that's why whole lands sink and whole races of people disappear. Right? Santos disappeared. Santos especially was, was cursed by the plague of the trickster. Uh, I mentioned this to somebody yesterday. When you see the gods of Glorantha book, you see there's really no one trickster cult. There's, there's, there's a dozen little trickster cults. Well, in the second age, one Tristelli guy said, I think these are all the same guy. And to prove it, he started gathering trickster priests to him, bringing the holy stuff, moving the whole shrine into this one temple. And he got actually a large temple to tricksters. All right? But that didn't work. Didn't work. Didn't work. Actually, it did work, right? But but the people who went out from that temple, you know, would set up these elaborate jokes where, like, all of a sudden, after the, the king had spent his whole life conquering this kingdom and so on, the trickster guy says, well, good work, you know, but watch this. Right, and the whole kingdom disappears because it was all just a joke. <laughs> and they didn't like it, so. so they worked very hard. That place doesn't exist anymore. It's underwater. Right? So what's left of it is underwater. Uh, I got a request. Yeah. But you haven't gotten rid of just down because I, mean, I know of them. And That's right. What they look like. Mm-hmm. Well, they look just like other people. But what you don't know is what they did that was the last straw. And the reason you don't know is because the gods made it very, very, very clear to all of their worshippers that if, if you want to get to heaven, you're going to need to annihilate 
this list of people. <laughs> I, I don't mean killing them and their children and, and friends and people who know their name. That's just the start. You know, you got to take their souls and bind them into something and drop that down the pit. All right? They they, they made you know did everything absolutely possible to to completely eradicate this one secret, which I ain't telling you, because uh, it was just too much. You know. Uh, Everybody thinks it's because they're mass-producing magic items in the machine city. All right? It was worse than that. All right? That's the one... That's, that's the secret they wanted to stamp out, but couldn't. They didn't think it was as important as the other one. And the Gisteli just got a bad name. They did a lot of bad things. They permanently changed the structure of the Glaranthan universe. So that... If you pick up a document uh, that tells you how to hero quest, and it's a Gisteli document... You can go off on that hero quest, and the document's going to be wrong, because they destroyed the hero plane. They disrupted it permanently by their machinations. Right? They started tapping gods. Right? And so that god is not what he used to be. And it says, well, here we come. This is the famous fort where we meet the raccoon trickster. And instead, there's uh, you know four Stormbull guys there who eat hero questions. <laughs> but this, that's not what my book says. <laughs> oh, you're on the wrong path. Yeah, we're here to get out of here. Tommy Tourist Guide to the Hero Plane. Yeah, exactly. All right, and, and so the 53 edition. So the Justelli exists, and they did a lot of things. They did a lot of neat things. I don't think your player characters want to do. All right, uh, and and it's allowed. You you want to try to make gunpowder? You know, it'll work in Glorantha. Right? And the alchemists keep doing it. They say, yeah, yeah, I keep hearing about these kegs of disruption. That's what they are, right? Yeah. But, but, huh? Disorder. Kegs of disorder, right, not disruption, thank you. Uh, but uh, the dwarves are real jealous about that. They have a monster called the uh, Gobbler of Gunpowder. He eats the gunpowder first, then he eats the alchemist who made it, then he <laughs> eats anything the gunpowder has t- touched, uh, and then he'll start looking for friends. Before his time runs out, and it's possible, you know, it's it's just part of the way the the, the universe works, and, and that's some of the fun that we want to get on. Yes. Well, how about the other big mystery? We have Lizlar and we have Arkham Destroyer. Yeah, uh, all the public material out right now. Once you obtain the license, that's it for your character. Um. A real interesting story for me. I mean, to me, it, it, it encases a lot of the heart of Florantha. <coughs> Just some stuff that hasn't really been published, or maybe it has, and I'll fill in some details. Arcat was the first person to consciously hero quest. Before that, right, and, and I'll tell you what hero questing is, because everybody thinks they know, but I'll tell you what it is. <laughs> and what it really is, 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 is an individual who goes into, literally, into the myths and stories as they are told and participates in them. Uh, if you want to become like Orlant, you go and do what Orlant did. And the way you learn what Orlant did is you go with Orlant on his adventures and you run into, in essence, microcosms of what he did. So that if you want to command Stormbolts, you go and you do exactly what uh, Orlant did to command Stormbolt. He went and beat him up <laughs> with a stick and a rope in a certain place. And so to do that, you use magic. Actually, somebody will get you on use magic, which will transport you, either physically or spiritually, or either or both, to that place. 
you may have to, you'll have to travel to get there. And you say, well, we know that it's a stick and a rope, and I know where he got that rope. So you go to that place on the spirit plane. And, and you go into the story. I mean, this is like if, uh, in, if, if you were a Greek hero quester, you'd go to Troy and fight there, right, with a, a Achilles. Maybe fight against Achilles himself, if that's, if that's what it requires. And um, the bigger the stuff is, the more important it is. Now, we, we've had some hero quest stuff, and, and you know, it's, it's the game version of it has changed somewhat. It's, it's much more monumental than has sometimes been portrayed. The, the Waha quest is really a trivial quest. It's not, to me, not a real real hero quest in the form that was presented in that different worlds um, years ago. Right? And that's sort of a warm-up. So that, to me, now is a high-level rune quest adventure type of thing. Not, not really a hero quest. Um, but it's related. And, of course, it's related. It's a step. It's a step. It's a warm-up. <laughs> and so... Before Arcat, people hero quested. Right? Um, a typical initiation into Orland would include traveling to the hero plane. Your character becomes initiated, and you say, "Well, we're going to teach you the secrets of Orland." You go and you talk to the old man himself. You, know? <laughs> you, you go to his longhouse in the sky, and you sit there at his board and, and, and eat pork and. Uh, drink a lot of beer and, and, and he says yes yes this is where you're coming when you're dead if you're a good good Orlanthe warrior right and, and here's how to get here and he'll tell you I mean and then afterwards you go home right that, that's a hero quest but it's all prepared for you and there's no problems really I mean there are a few problems you, you gotta be tested you know not, but you know the answers you know when the porter stops you at the door and says no you can't come in only 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 certain people can come in here you know how to get in. Yeah, sure. But, and you tell them the magic words and you go in. Or you do whatever's necessary. It may be a test of your virtue or your courage or your strength. Huh? Yeah, right. Turn around three times. And it may be stuff like that. You know, you, you may show up at the door and it's a Polynesian one when you die. The guy draws a very, very complex maze uh, pattern on the wall. And your guy comes up and he goes, if you can complete it, you can pass. Right. That's 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 stuff. That's magic stuff. All right. Um, and so people to become a priest, you have to do much the same thing. I mean, you know, you're reading RuneQuest and it says you have to have uh, 90 or 70 or 50 percent uh, in these abilities. You have to have these spells. You have to do these things. Right. That's a really, really dry, boring way of saying that you have to be an Orland priest and fulfill the ideals of the cult. And, and the way it would be tested in a full campaign with HeroQuest and all that yak is that you'd go off and you'd say, yes, and you get to the porter, and he says, no, only nobody can go get in. There's no doors to this hall. You say, that's all right, watch this, you know. And you fly over, because that's what it takes, you, you know. If you, if you have that space, you can get in. Right? He says, yeah, well, you can only come in here if you, you know how to plow. You know, that's the 90% in plowing ability. Or whatever, okay? So, people had been hero questing for a long time. They knew how to be one with their deity. Now, Arcat was the first guy, see, who, who went along. He came from the island of Brithos, where there were sorcerers. He heard about the plague. Actually, his, his lord heard about what was going on in the west, and they sent out armies and all kinds of stuff to try to take care of it. What was happening at that time was that there was this terrible plague right, in, the, uh, in the western lands that nobody could cure except for this 
finally, they, there was this benevolent brotherhood of very humble people who came along and said, look, I'm not much, but I can take care of this care. Now, in the West, in case you don't know, they worship the invisible God, uh, sometimes called Malchion, after his first prophet. Um, and they don't, they don't go for this shaman, uh, divine magic stuff, or shaman, shamanic, or divine magic stuff. But the whole cultural thing was being undermined first by the plague, and then by these, it, it would be the, the equivalent of pagans coming into, say, uh, you know, medieval England and saying, you know, forget that guy. We, we really know what you need to know. Mm -hmm. So people were distressed. And the people from Brethos, who were the most unchanging of all the Westerners, People in the West, in the island of Brethos, don't die a natural death. They can die violently, they may die of illness, but they don't age as long as, it's just like dwarves. They don't age as long as they follow their cultural restrictions to the letter. And they were the most concerned because they said, you know, if our farmers get this disease and start disrupting the whole social fabric, then we all go. So they were working very hard to try to rectify the situation. Our cat was just a warrior, you know, a good warrior at first, who went and to solve the problem. And he uh, and, and they did all right in this little colony of Brithini that lived on the coast. And then they started going around, and um, our cat discovered that, gee, these humble little people know how to do two kinds of magic. One is to cure this plague, and the other one is to make it. <laughs> all right, and this is essentially a branch of the cult of Kabaji. Ah, oh, the deceiver. Okay. And so he worked real hard at getting rid of them. Let's see. He, uh, they ran into um, the kingdom of Aralanth, which is uh, right here on the map. Let's see. Here's Seshnel, one of the islands, which was a kingdom of powerful kingdom. Here's Brethos. Over here is Dragon Pass. All right. And so uh, the kingdom of Aralanth was where a lot of missionaries were coming from. They'd already converted, you know, no Malkion here. And we're sending out missionaries to other lands that realized they were sending out the plague. And they had a big military campaign to squish the guys who were essentially a feudal sort of kingdom at the time. And as Arkat and his allies from Sashnella got closer and closer, these people essentially turned to the dark side, turned to Gabaji. And that's when they discovered that all the ruling house were, in fact, immortal vampires. Uh, that, that's, how, right? that that's how they stayed in power. And they said, no, no. And they <laughs> had a big heroic military campaign and took care of that. <coughs> During that time, Arkat discovered that he couldn't do everything he needed to do to get rid of this, this problem. And that these um, other people uh, from the kingdom of Seshnella knew, knew and did things that he needed to know and do. But he couldn't join that culture because if he did, he forfeited his immortality and all his connections of everything he'd grown up with. But he decided that it was more important that he annihilate, that he get rid of the deceiver than he obtain personal immortality by staying the same. So he quit his old religion and joined the new one, uh, which is really a modern form of Malkin, Mal of the worshiping the invisible God, whereas uh, the Brithini form is, a, is an ancient version, okay? And he joined the modern version, and he went through the initiation, and he was real good. He rose up through the ranks. You know, he started as a farmer. He became a warrior. He became a, uh, a magician, and then he became a lord. That's, their, that's how their thing is. They have a very upwardly mobile society. 
you can't be a ruler until you've done everything else in the Malkyoni, uh, the Sashnadi. It's, it's called Malkyoni religion or the invisible God. There are heresies that have been derived from that in our modern Glorantan age since. Right? But at the time, there were those two. And he went off on the initiation, did that whole thing, continued his, right, raised a new army since his old one was tired and dead and went off and continued combating Kibaji in the land of Ralios, which is the land just, if you look at the map here, there's some mountains that go like this, right? The mountains come up, go down, and come in this way. And there's this corner of land, and that's Ralios. He uh, essentially cleared Ralios with a lot of help of other people and his new religion. And then that in Ralios, he said, gee, look, there's some more people who know things that would be very useful to me that I don't know. And, of course, his uh, overlord said, no, no, you can't become a pagan, you know. You're, you're, you're one of the best people we have to, to exemplify what's great about the invisible God. But he couldn't get over the mountains into Durastor and, uh, and, and so on, and he had problems. He joined another religion. He joined the cult of Humac uh, because that's what he needed to know at the time to continue his conquest. And then after, and they, they were happy to have him. Oh, the world's most famous warrior in the West. At last you've seen the true light. <laughs> right? Yeah, yes. Yeah. And um, um, he uh, did his whole thing, and he got the dragon pass. Uh, by that time, he had uh, been really severely wounded. He had a wound that never stopped bleeding. He was in pain, etc. And the trolls cured him. And they said, look, you think you need something for, but let me show you what... If you want to get rid of this, this guy, we'll show you the way. And he said, yeah, you're right. That's the way to do it. And he joined the troll cult. And in essence, he became a troll. I don't know if you're aware of that, but if you're a human being, right. uh, if you've read Troll Pack, you yes. are aware of it. Right. Same thing happens if you join the elf culture. And it's much the same process. They take you and they literally take you apart and they put new parts into your body. And if you come, and they plant you underground. And if you sprout up like an elf, you guys don't know elf ecology. <laughs> so that blank look. If you sprout up like an elf, then um, you're accepted. Then you're an elf, and you look different. You look like a human, maybe, and maybe like an, probably the ugliest human and the ugliest elf you've ever seen. Uh, just to fill in that blank, elves don't have children. Elf women, dryads, give birth to seeds, and the seeds can be stored, dry storage, of course, and they're planted in the earth, and nine months later. A, a young person, not not necessarily a baby. This is what this is where that comes from. A young person emerges from the earth, and it's a it's a young elf who grows up and becomes like a tree, right? Um, yeah. So he became a troll, and of course that shocked everybody. And then the troll said, "Yeah, you know, if you really want to get rid of this guy, you got to you got to become a Zoraxoran." <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're right," he said. "I'm going to be working for Axaran because that's what it was required to destroy Kibaji. It Took 75 years for this whole process. He lost every friend he had in the process because he turned against them. They all thought he was their pal. They all thought he had to be like them to be their pal. And uh, it was not that was not important to Arkham. It was important for him to do the deed he had set out to begin. As far as he could tell, he he accomplished it. Kibaji was destroyed, dismembered, pieces scattered across the plain, and then physical parts scattered across the earth. 
His uh, spiritual parts dismembered and uh, cast into different worlds. And uh, they salted the land and they burned down the mountains and they, and they, and they did everything they could to, to keep the raster gone and suppressed forever. Um, the raster, when, when uh, RCAT began, was a great place to live. I mean, it was high technology, it was a pleasant place. It's probably the only place in Glorantha at the time where they weren't real prejudiced against people of other religions. And you could do what you wanted. It was all right there. Uh, they were in love, right? They illuminated, I mean. And so it was a nice place. But as occurred, as often occurs, when radical change threatened the powers that be, um, essentially they adopted the dark side to protect themselves. And that's why, at the end, they were fighting you know, armies of chaos monsters. I said, oh, look, I mean, a couple of chaotic creatures would help you in this battle. No sweat, you know? Zap, zap, a few tentacles. And, uh, <laughs> yes? Uh, Arkad is still alive in your world, yeah? No, Arkad is not alive. He, he disappeared. Like many uh, important personages, he disappeared and essentially obtained immortality. One day he retired his throne. After the Thraster was destroyed, he and his remaining friends were mostly trolls moved to Ralios, uh, because they thought it was the most pleasant place to live, and he wanted to retire there. He retired there. Every place where he left behind, by the way, he left the trolls in charge. He said, you're right. You're the guys who keep down chaos. You're in charge here, All right? like in Dragon Pass, and, and also in Ralios. Uh, he started a whole new kingdom of trolls in Ralios where they hadn't done before. He didn't require people to be trolls. Uh, he had human children. Uh, he had human friends. Uh, in Ralios, and he set up a nice kingdom that was really a, a fine place to live, and, it, and retired at one point, uh, and essentially retired to the hero plane. I mean, this guy is a hero quester. He, he's the guy who knows how to become God, a God, a, a living, immortal being that can be that is accessible by his followers. Yeah, listen, to his because they want to establish a cult of Arcad. The cult of Arcad exists. Still exists. Let me tell you what happened to it. Wait, before I do that, through all these initiations and adventures to get powerful weapons to fight Gabaji and so on, at one point, Arkat realized that he'd been here before on this initiation path to become a troll, a troll priest. He realized that he'd been in this exact situation before, but last time he was that person fighting himself, not himself exactly, but to get past this point to become a uh, a, uh, a, 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 a crestal knight, a westerner, he had to put down dark, to, you know, suppress the darkness. And he, it was done symbolically by defeating a very, very, some, a very powerful troll, hero quester, right? Now, as far as he knew, and he was trying to become a knight, that troll was always there, and just for him to become a knight, right? And at one point he realized, Gee, these trolls think that that knight is there just so that they can become a priest. And he consciously he realized, made the made the connection, and consciously started going off the known paths. He said, "Look, from this troll path, or from you know, I can go onto the knight's path, which you're not supposed to do. Of course, you're not supposed to leave the path. You're trying to become a troll priest, not go off and do something else, right?" He said, "Yeah, but I got something else. I'm going to do it." 
So he consciously started hero questing and going around in different places that other people hadn't gone before. When he retired, he taught his followers how to do this. In fact, before he retired, he would go off hero questing with his powerful friends and do these things. Um, and when he retired, he set up a structure. He set up an organization to protect the hero paths. He said, look, this stuff can really be abused. And if, 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 uh, if, if disrespectful people get on this path, they can exploit it and really screw things up. So he set up an organization, his cult, that became his cult, to protect that, to protect the hero plane from exploitation. Now, he retires, and so the political situation is, here's his kingdom, which became called the Dark Empire, and over here is the uh, Seshnegi, uh, the kingdom of Seshnella, who are, don't like him. They don't like him, they don't like what he did, they don't like the people from Ralios, who are essentially traditional enemies. And after some political troubles, essentially motive, which were, uh, you know, the people from Ralios made enough trouble in Seshnella so that uh, they pretty much took it over for a while. And then when the Seshnellans came back, they went and they said, you know, these guys are evil. You know, they, they, they defy every known law. No, no, they, didn't. they define our laws, defy our laws, and we're going to destroy them. And they did. And they, they, they waged a military magical campaign, destroyed the kingdom of Karkat, and started hunting down his agents because they want to go hero questing. They took all the forbidden documents out of the, uh, out of the Arkat temples. And uh, just for safekeeping, mind you, put them in special places to study. And, and, and about a generation later, just out of nowhere, these uh, people who lived on the island of Tristella said, hey, you guys, look what we can do. We discovered this really neat new thing. Watch. And they started hero questing. All right? And this is where the god learners came from. This is where the Tristella god learners came from. The Tristella are really the people that Darkat was warned about and wanted to keep suppressed. They were not sensitive, responsible, respectable people. And that's how they got the powers to destroy the world, if they wanted, which they, which they didn't do intentionally. It just seemed like that God was useless, you know? I mean, but look at all the power he's got. Let's just tap him. It doesn't matter. Nobody's going to care. Right? And Sounds like surprise. Now, they, the Tristelli, tried to destroy the cult of Arkham because they said, sorry, pal, you can't go here. You know, my chief rabbit told me nobody passes this spot. And uh, tried to stop the Tristelli, and the Tristelli tried to destroy them. And they did a pretty damn good job of it. In fact, they destroyed mu much of the old Arkham culture, I mean, religion. So that what exists in the current Loranthan time are several Arkham cults. And they all say, yep, we're all the same. Except those guys don't really know everything. Because <laughs> they only all are, are left with fragmentary knowledge. And their fragmentary knowledge is, is, is even worse because, as I mentioned earlier, portions of the God plane have been destroyed. And they say, you know, it's just not the same anymore. The cult is very, of Arkad is very, very conservative. And they're still there. They're still in this world, often underground. They said, you know, people not, don't like us. And so they're, sometimes they're just 
disguised as some other religion or some other god. Um, and um, they're the same way on the hero plane, you know. And they and they guard these places. They say, no, you know, this is my job, and you're not allowed to pass. And so it, each temple has, in, in in effect, has a job to do in the world. And they say, yeah, we're we're here, and we're our job is to never let anybody to this place to learn what what we know. Right. And so the cult of archetype exists, but that's its structure. Right? Is that clear? Is that helpful enough to you? Yeah. yeah. Um, if I were you, any other players here? You game master? Yeah. Right. If I were you, I'd let them. Right? It would be a sub cult, more or less, a troll related cult. Mostly. Not all, always, but yeah. mostly. Well, in this, in this context, it would be a yeah. troll archetype cult. Yeah. Yeah, and it's a troll god. And and what you could do as a game master, what I would do as a game master, is I'd say that this is the cult of our cat, and here it is, and tell them it's, and the, and the high priest will tell them and everything, and they're only partly right. The players won't know that their high priest won't admit it. Yeah, maybe he doesn't even know it too. Okay. Yeah. So that's what I would suggest. Um, do you play in the Dragon Pass area? Uh, Alright. I know that there's a temple to Arkat in uh, in the holy country and it's the temple of black um Arkat. And he his statue images and idols look like a human being, you know, with tusks. Alright? And he's all black, uh, you know, like a uh, darkness Dark. troll. Yeah, yeah. That's one way, you know. Thank you. Yeah, a whole lot of shoebox of stuff to throw in there. Alright, good. That's what I um so that's our cat. That's uh, hero questing. It's even that size. According to Brithini legend, an enemy barbarian chieftain essentially raped a Brithini woman, woman and her kids are cat. The barbarians say, yeah, that's the year that Orland and Humac led us and in, to the invasion of the island. Right. Is he Humac's son? Right? He did. He did carry the unbreakable sword. That's, that's a fact. Yeah. He carried the unbreakable sword, and when he quit Humac, yeah, all your swords are going to break. Ha ha ha! Right? Yeah, well. And he did. And he said, "Oh, what does this mean?" Right. So, um, that's our cap. That's Kabaji. That's hero questing. And you know, really quickly, uh, that's a good question. <laughs> He's got another one. Anybody? Not a specific one. Tell me, tell me something about the dragon nukes that I don't know. Like the dragon nukes stream, huh? Dragon nukes stream is nobody knows what it is. In my campaign, the dragon nukes are creatures of mystery. You know, I don't allow, allow player characters unless it's occasionally. Um, let's see what time is this over? No, your game is until three now, right? Yeah, but I have a seminar that starts right when this one ends, and I don't want to be in two places at once. It, it started at 11. 10, right? 11. 11. 11. 11. Okay, yeah. so it should it be should up. Till 1, 1's the next one. Yeah, one's the next one. Yeah, but if I have 11 to 12, it's at 1. Yeah. Do you have mine? I got a chart right here. Yeah, but it's changed. My hours in that chart are not correct. My next one's at 1. Okay. I'll tell you something about dragon nukes you don't know. 
Um, dragon newts gained their magical powers. Right. The list of dragon newt spells in that book is incomplete. We put a sampling. Uh, I think it's David. What do they do for healing? Right. The dragon newt healing spell is pre-healing. They cast all their magic and spells and so on. See you later. So that when uh, when they need healing, it happens. You know. So you go and you chop off his leg, and his leg will jump right back on. Not bad. Huh? Not bad. Okay. Um, to me, dragon are creatures of mystery and awe that nobody understands, and, and I throw them in on all kinds of situations. I think I've put it in there. You know, they've been walking through this one area for 15 years, and it's dragon are standing there and haven't moved that whole time. The Dragon Newt's Dream is an event that nobody knows what it was for, how it happened, uh, or all the details of everything that occurred. Just that worldwide, or at least uh, Genertella-wide, there were these events that happened, and, and, and much, much of it was done by phantom dragons you know, that you could see, but they're insubstantial, like illusionary, I mean, you know, illusionary sight without illusionary touch. And they don't know, all right? And I suggest that you don't, that you keep your players in the dark. Um, if there's ever a player character dragon newt, tell them right off the hand. You're not a dragon newt anymore. For some reason, you don't remember. You don't understand what it was you used to know and that made you tick, all right? And you don't get reborn, also. Dragon newt magic is based on, on their mastering themselves, uh, mastering... Uh, their emotions and abilities. You look at the Pendragon chart of the, uh, or even the Dragon New article in Worms for Monster, how does he oppose things? They have to master their every um, emotion. And when they master one emotion, they get this spell. And when they master that one, they get this spell. Game-wise, uh, at the moment, us secret game masters, and this may change, so don't hold me to it next year, is that uh, you do it, uh, the total on the thing, the total uh, the, is cruel and merciful. The total is a percentage chance of doing either. When a dragon dude starts, he has a 50% chance of doing each, and he wants to get it to be zero and zero. All right? So let's say he's now zero to 30, 31 to 60, 61 to 90. When it comes time for him to be merciful or cruel, Dragon's player rolls his random dice. If he rolls a 30 or less, he's going to be merciful. Right? He gets a check on it. And if, he's, if he rolls greater than that, he's cruel. And uh, I think he gets a check on that. And if he rolls in the middle, he gets to do whatever he wants. Okay. And they have to get to zero to zero. And then, and then they become full dragons. You know, uh, there's a gap in the old room quest. I guess it's a new one. But they grow up and become the inhuman king. Uh, but the inhuman king is like a bodhisattva dragon. He's a real dragon who's, who's humbled himself to bring the rest of the world to, uh, to enlightenment. Dragons do this also when they reincarnate as several clutches of eggs each of which hatches to be a crested dragon, each of which can grow up to be a full dragon, and thereby in, increase the dragonness of the world. Right? Now, the Eastern religion of Kralorella is actually that, or used to be actually that, and, is, and, and the secret religion that's there is still that. Uh, but most people in it 
are at, have a, uh, a perverted version of that, uh, which is in the cults book uh, called The Path of Imminent Mystery, which allows them to become dragons, right? And this spell works on this leg and this one on that one. And, and after a while, when they learn this special skill called charismatic wisdom, charismatic wisdom they can turn into a dragon, uh, a dream dragon, what we used to call dream dragons. <coughs> um, how's that for dragon to talk? What's the status of runes these days? This is not part of the game. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, runes are integral to Galarantha. Runes are everywhere. Uh, runes are the actual physical, I mean, all, you know, the, the manifestation of certain powers on, on one plane of the Glorantan world is, all right, the unbreakable sword? No, no, the one sword, which nobody knows where it is, not even our right? But there is a sword, which is, in fact, the original power, the original rune of, of separation and death in its physical form. Right? Humact is not... It is Humact. It is the god Humact in itself, right there in your hands. Right? It's a rune. Same for all of the runes. There is a form, right? But that form is multiplied and diversified and extended throughout the world and, will, and shows up all the time. So whenever you see that sign, it has...